Hello, badasses, and welcome to this episode of the Badass Ladies Club. I'm Laurie, and this is my friend Jessica. Hey. And we are excited to bring you an episode today about the idea of scarcity versus an abundant mindset. Good topic. Lots to unpack with that one. But before we get started, a very special Badass of the Week this week. Yes. Our Badass of the Week is the one, the only Dolly Parton. Queen. Queen of my life is really the situation. So if anyone's been living under a rock, Dolly Parton, mostly known for country music, but she is a songwriter, singer, multi-instrumentalist, author, humanitarian, businesswoman, just all around OG badass lady. Um, She has the Imagination Library, which is a really cool concept to get kids reading. Um, She has so much money (laughs) that she literally doesn't know what to do with. So she has helped in COVID vaccine research. Yes. Um, Of course, another multitude of many other humanitarian situations that she has used her money for. But um, most notably recently has been the COVID vaccine. Yes. Um, Which we are ever so grateful. Thank Thank you, Dolly. Dolly Parton. Um, Dolly Parton is also kind of like this six degrees of Kevin Bacon with us because we... um, no Julie Murphy who wrote Dumplin who you know that character was inspired by Dolly Parton songs and Dolly mm-hmm. did the soundtrack for our friend Julie's movie and so i feel like i could i feel like Dolly is so close i could almost touch her but i don't know her Same. and i think one day maybe we will it could happen I also feel like there's so much about Dolly that is a massive inspiration to me as far as being a savvy lady entrepreneur, you know, like that there are um, things in our culture as far as women in business are concerned that Dolly has been doing since before I was even thinking, you know, like that. I just mean in respect to uh, how she doesn't let people push her around, you know, and she is really honest about her work ethic and what she's willing to accept in her business life and not, and that she doesn't enjoy, um, coaching people and, or like giving people sometimes the negative feedback that they need or, um, having really strict boundaries with people in respect to business. But she understands that it has to be done for her to have a healthy and sustainable business. And she's willing to do it no matter how uncomfortable it is. And so, She's one of the first women I ever watched in business be like, oh, damn, like she ain't scared and she will tell you what she needs to have you do. And if you don't like it, well, then you can go work for somebody who's not Dolly Parton. You yeah. know, like you I know, love it. one of my favorite Dolly Parton stories is how she wouldn't sell a song to yes. Elvis. Oh, my God. Elvis. Baller move. Okay. That Elvis like, was like, I want this song, but I want to own it. And it was I said, will always love you. Like, no. yeah. No, you're not going to do that. And then when Whitney Houston got famous for I Will Always Love You, um, I believe it was Dan Rather. I could totally be wrong. Someone interviewed her and was like, how do you feel about people calling I Will Always Love You Whitney song? And her answer was the most badass answer ever. It was, honey, as long as I get the cash, 
people can think it's her song right all they want and i was like that is a badass lady mindset where it's like i don't even need you to think that it's mine and if she had sold it to elvis and sold the rights she wouldn't have gotten any of the royalties when whitney did it like her standing her ground like that enabled her to earn money off of that song decades later um okay Dolly yeah. Parton. Dolly Parton. We we could have a whole episode, on, episode Dolly. No, on Dolly. No, I decided that just now. But okay. we may coming. want to move on to scarcity <laughs> versus talk about, abundance. Yeah. So my introduction to scarcity versus abundance is very recent within the past few years, probably. We talked about it at a William Edge Tribal Forum, mm-hmm. and I had never heard of it before, but it was a message that was so much needed in my life at the time, especially among women. Yeah. That, and I think that we were dealing a lot with that at the salon at the time. I mean, this was years ago, but um, we were dealing a lot with employees, myself included, saying, but what about me? There's not enough for me. Like, for example, if uh, if you were busy and one of your clients couldn't get in with you. And so they would go to see someone else just because of time necessity, you know, like where maybe not you specifically, but people are like, well, but it was my client. Like, why didn't you just book her the next day? You know, like it was about what was good for the client, not what was good for you. There's plenty of clients to go around, you know, like this mindset that there's not enough. Or like if, and this isn't even in salon culture, um, if your um, coworker, gets a raise. Right. And you're like, what about me? I mean, absolutely. Take that time to maybe evaluate and reassess like, well, what do I need to do for that next step? But it's not their fault. Right. Um, And you can celebrate someone else's accomplishment without making it about what you don't have. Absolutely. And that's what I love about scarcity versus abundance as I have evolved is realizing that um, I can celebrate someone's accomplishments, even if they're doing exactly what I want to do, right. that there doesn't have to be any jealousy. And it's not about, um, well, F that bitch, yeah. you know, dare she, she be successful has what I want. She's doing what I want. Um, because that's a scarcity mindset. And when I changed from scarcity to, abundance to a heart-centered open soul like there's plenty to go around and I am available to what the universe is going to give me that my life completely changed totally I it's funny because when we first started talking about scarcity and abundance I see it like they're polar opposites right it feels a lot like light and dark like you can't appreciate the sunrise unless it's pitch black outside you know like you can't uh you can't feel what it is to be really hot unless you've been really cold you know like that there is this like yin and yang to life um that scarcity versus abundance really embraces that 
even the idea that um, there's enough to go around that we don't all want the same things. Yeah. Which is why it's so silly for us to have that competitive nature with what you have versus what I have. Like all the things that you want are not going to be all the same things that I want. And that's and it's okay for us to both evolve, you know, in that same mindset. I wonder sometimes why that human nature exists in that scarcity, like where we uh, developed this idea that there's not enough and that I need to fight for or kill myself to work for my cut in life. Because if I don't, then it might pass me by and I might not get it. You know, um, that that is a real human instinct that I know I've fallen victim to before. Oh, my gosh. Many times. And I honestly don't know where that was ever ingrained in me other than, you know, um, I mean, I was born in the eighties, but I could say like my formative growing up years was in the nineties where, you know, um, straightening another woman's crown and being like, you got this girl was not part of the culture. Nope, It was, um, the years of like mean girl movies and um which you know what i was thinking about the other day what's that is that the 90s were also the time of the spice girls which was like girl power right but i feel like the spice girls <laughs> i feel so silly talking about the spice girls i love it old. so much <laughs> um i i have a spice girl story here in a second but um they've made such a lasting impact on the music industry but their career was only two years it was very it was very very short and for having such a short music career they've they made their mark yeah but i feel like it just wasn't long enough to really push girls into that we need to straighten each other's crowns mindset that it took us years to get there but i think that the spice girls could have done it had they lasted longer well yeah i also (laughs) think that sometimes things like the spice girls are that like big flash in the pan where like bam we got it we absorbed it and sometimes to make the biggest impact you get in and you get out you know and that is totally what they did like they shook things up and then they were like okay now we're going to go on with the rest of our lives and so many of them have created you know really amazing empires on the tail of that um to our point because life is abundant man you know like it's you know i think of like media and um the things that I was taking in in my growing up formative years, I mean, I was watching movies like She's All That, um, 10 Things I Hate About You, you know, movies that are classics that I could totally watch over and over again. But if you really look at them, like, not the best messages. Right. Yeah. You know, um, reinforcing beliefs that don't really serve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, never been kissed, you know, <laughs> like, worst. yeah. <laughs> and y'all, to be clear. I love all these movies favorites, but I look at it and it's, it paints women in such a like gross way mm-hmm. um, that, you know, if you're unattractive, you're not worthy of another woman's and like, not going to talk about men I'm talking about women, women. Yeah. Like that. You're not worthy of being part of the pack. Mm-hmm. You're not worthy of being part of the clique. And so I almost wonder if that kind of, 
like shifted our culture and I definitely think it made an impact on because no matter whether you're consciously aware of it or not whoever the ingenue is in that role um, they put a cool it girl style you know like casting in there so that way we look up to this girl when a lot of times the girl in that role is trying to figure out something in her own journey and her own growth. Like it's not meant to be a someday I'll aspire to this place, but you can't help the fact that when you're young and embracing those movies, 10 things I hate about you, like Julia Stiles was all the everything. All I wanted was to be her and her like moody, dark, smart, witty self, you know, like, but she wasn't good enough. But she wasn't good enough. And she yeah. didn't feel like she was good her enough. Her little sister right. was, you know, the end all be all. And there wasn't enough for Julia Stiles character. And didn't you know? I embrace that yeah. dark, moody, you know, like witty, I'm smarter than you, so I don't have to be pretty or I don't mm -hmm. have to be cool or I don't have, you know, like that in a certain way you strive to be that even if that's not healthy or positive right. or good, you know, like, um, so yeah, it's very interesting where that came from. If you sit back and think, I think about that a lot with music too. Like when I was really young, I was singing about things that as an adult, I'll hear lyrics and I'm like, oh, yeah. if I heard a 12 year old singing about this stuff, I would have a problem. But, you know, it didn't worry me when I was singing the lyrics to regulate, oh you know, like Absolutely. I it was Warren G. Like, who cared what I was saying, you know? But yeah, all of those influences sometimes send a really weird message, you know? Um, scarcity is a really uh, it's a prevalent fundamental thing that I feel like comes up just as humans. But I feel like we don't always put the focus on abundance like we should and that that the world is inherently abundant. You know, like the fact that there is, you know, like the grass does not struggle to grow. It just grows, you know, and that it's that it rains and that there's sunshine and it's just something that happens effortlessly. And there's something about that flow of life and that flow of abundance that especially in a world of electronics and uh, cell phones and constant like grabs for your attention, notifications, alerts, things that keep pulling you out of uh, your awareness that it's an abundant universe that sometimes shed a light on where you feel like you're lacking, um, whether that comes through marketing, advertising, you know, like things that we want that we feel like add status or um, value to us. And um, and then I feel like as humans in 2021 that we have to be consistently reminding ourselves that the world is abundant and there um, for us to find those things. You just have to be conscious and look for it, you know, and pay attention to it and check your human instincts to be like, oh, but I don't have enough, you know, like um, I think the first time that scarcity versus abundance really hit me hard was, and we have talked about this before, but when my house burned down, Mm. like that was a big one it was and it was so funny because there were so many things that I didn't have physical things I didn't have all of a sudden um that it felt really scarce <laughs> you know like that you, I all of a sudden I was like oh my god I need socks or a toothbrush or um sheets for a bed I need a bed you know like I need all of these things that I didn't have all of a sudden but interestingly enough um what that was almost f four and a half years ago I now. Yeah. Um, that now you would never know that my house burned down. 
I still got all that stuff that I had before it happened and more probably, you know, like that um, life provided in a way that I could have never put the pieces together. And for all of the anxiety and fear about how am I going to piece all of this back together? As I just put one foot in front of the other, it just kind of happened. And I love that you're talking about this because it really is the perfect example your house burned down and you had you didn't have a bed Laurie mm-hmm. you didn't have anything you closed over to work I didn't have yeah and watching you put one foot in front of the other taking it day by day the universe totally provided and now you and Aubrey have this beautiful home that you would look at and it doesn't look like all new stuff or no. anything um It's a million times better than what I had. It looks like you guys have been living there forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, I don't walk into your house and think like, oh, this is all new stuff replacing a fire that they had. Like I almost completely forget that it ever happened because your home just has this eclectic recycled, like vibe that, and I mean that in the best amazing way. I'm taking it as such. um, That, you didn't have to go out and buy the newest, the biggest, the best. The universe just provided these things to you that was so you and Aubrey that just fit your life. And you walk into your home and you're like, yeah, this is it. This way it should be. Yeah. This is the way it should be. Mm-hmm. And this is the way it was always meant to be. Um, I can't say that I've ever been through something that traumatic. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I had ever, I mean, to like something, losing something that physical that is that traumatic. I mean, watching you go through it was scary enough. And that's as much as I want to, you know, like be close to that. Um, But yeah, I mean, guys, you want to have a scarcity versus abundance conversation? Talk to people whose houses have burned down. Well, or, you know, even... Or lost people in that flood, have lost, or you hear about people that lose everything. Like not, I mean, I lost my house, but you hear about people who like lose jobs, companies, you know, like their whole life savings on something, whatever, you know, like something that they've worked their whole lives to build um, that, it, that it's all gone in a flash and that you look at them five or six years later and somehow they've recovered, you know, like and built something anew and it's grown out of, you know, the loss, like that sometimes the tragic loss comes and something else grows up out of that. And I mean, I've talked a lot about with the house that I went in my mind's eye to people that I saw that dealt with really devastating things and chose not to be broken by it, but just to go with it, you know? And, um, and yeah, that whole like scarcity versus abundance is so much about, letting go, but also taking action when you feel that inspired pull, you know, to go into something. And so there were a lot of opportunities where we had to take the inspired action, you know, and that that uh, felt right or wrong. I know definitely being grateful that we got out with our lives and with our dog, you know, and that we had, um, you know, like that 
the Red Cross was like, do we need to find you a place to stay? Well, we had a friend's house that we could stay at and that those friends had clothes that we could change into, you know, and that um, that there were just so many small things that you don't think of as big things that meant everything to us in that moment. And so it didn't matter that we didn't have any of that stuff, um, that the things that we did have were everything, which allowed for everything else that we had lost to grow out of that. And um, so I feel like abundance is a mindset conversation. So how do we work on mindsets to create more abundance? Because I know a big conversation about this for a lot of people is finances. Mm -hmm. And it is, I kind of, it's funny, I used to hate numbers, math, it was not my gig, I was terrible at it in school. Um, But as a adult, I've worked in a lot of jobs where I've had to get better at numbers and math. And so even in my personal life now, I kind of like it, like it's sort of become a thing where I'm better at it. But it is a real scarcity versus abundance mindset. And I know that you can speak to this because I talk to you about this kind of stuff that like, I will, um, I've always had what I needed. You know, like I've never been in a situation. I mean, I've been in a situation where I like couldn't pay a bill or was tight on money or something, but it always worked itself out in one way or the other. But I will get into a scarcity mindset when it comes to money where I and you know, we've also discussed that I have this control thing sometimes where I'm trying to plan things out too far in advance or I'm trying to look too far into how am I going to do this and where am I going to move that and what am I going to do? And it starts to give me this mindset that there's not enough and that I'm going to hit this situation and I'm going to be in a really bad space and that that takes me down a path that is not going to create abundance with finances, you know, and that oftentimes I have to remind myself, I don't know how this is going to work. But what I know is that it's going to work, you know? Absolutely. So this is about to turn into a business coaching session. (laughs) Because um, Laurie and I are a part of this program right now. And I have already learned so much. And so where I think scarcity versus abundance, like, falls into place with the program that you and I are doing right now, is that I have learned, and I've been saying it for years. So, um. Did you ever watch Jim Henson's Creature Shop, that reality show? It was on the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, it yeah. was one season. Yes. And it was a competition reality show where people made Muppets. Yes. That I was like, Brilliant. my guidance counselor never gave that to me as an option. <laughs> I would have done that for a living. Oh, my God. I so would have made Muppets for a living. I'm so obsessed with like the Muppets and Sesame Street that, I mean, I just have a soft spot for it in my heart. Um And watching them create these things was just so cool. So there's things like being a creature designer. Right. Um, Being a cheese board stylist (laughs) that we learned about where this woman had a passion for cheese board styling. And these big companies like Google pays her $15,000 to fly in for a day or two. And be like, can you do a cheese board styling seminar for our employees? employees? I'm like, so what I'm wrapping my brain around the older I get and like dipping my toes into being an entrepreneur and a businesswoman is that, and this hasn't happened for us yet. um, Believe me, you guys will know when it does, but that it's easier to make a million dollars than it is to work a nine to five truth and any millionaire will tell you that and I and you guys may think I'm crazy for saying that but 
the more that I learn about these people doing these really obscure jobs that they are passionate about and that they love and that, you know, I mean, if someone told me that cheese board styling was a job, I'd be like, what a fucking joke. Or that you could make $15,000 doing a class about how to cut cheese and put it on a board. Like, are you joking me? Right. But this chick does it. Yeah, she does it and makes a hell of a living. And that I was like, yeah, okay, I'm down for the obscure jobs. Yeah. Like I, you know, I want to do hair forever for as long as my body will allow me to, as long as it makes sense to. But also there's other gigs out there that, you know, if you're worried about finances mm -hmm. and you're in the scarcity versus abundance mindset and you're like, well, I can't be a cheese board stylist. I mean, who the hell would pay me money? To People will pay you money. Yes. I'm telling you right now, people will pay you money. It's incredible. The things that I've been learning. And you can't say like that. The only reason that you couldn't make money being a cheese board stylist is because you think you can't like, uh, oh God, was it Henry Ford that said like, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Like, it may have been Henry Ford, but I have some beef with Henry. Okay, Ford. lay it. Because he's the one who created the nine to five in the first place. I mean, the truth. So I don't want to sound like a whiny little millennial, you know, but I'm about to be a whiny millennial. This dude who created the nine to five, like it, it goes back to the, we don't all have the same 24 hours. Yes. Right. And maybe I'm in a scarcity mindset where this is concerned and maybe I just need to shift my mindset on it. But the whole 40 hour a week thing was designed when women were at home. And if you have a full time wife at home. Yes, then that you yes. had a full time wife at home and that men went out and worked and that people could live on one single income. And it's just not like that anymore. We are now in the gig economy mm -hmm. and everybody has a side hustle, if you will. And so I guess like the point I'm trying to get across here is that if you're stuck in your nine to five, like, yeah pay your bills. I'm not saying drop everything and, you know, take this chance, like, and not be able to provide a roof over your head and food to put on the table for your family. But what I'm saying is that there are other ways to make money that if you just open your heart and allow the universe to give you what it's going to give you, that things can happen. And I think that you and I are experiencing that for in real. a really phenomenal way. And yeah. it's so awesome. It's also so cool how, you know, like people talk about a nine to five or like a day job that following what lights your soul on fire can be so many different things in the scope of a lifetime. And I it's interesting to me only because, you know, I think about like where my ideas came from about what it means to have a career. Or and so my parents. Well, so my dad <laughs> had to no fault of their own. No, they I mean, that used to be the way that you did it. Yes. My dad graduated from college. Mm -hmm. He got a job. He worked in that job till he retired from that job, you know, yeah. like and has a beautiful life and retirement and everything to show beautiful for that, house you know, and awesome pool. Amazing. And, you know, I mean, and he loved his job, you know, yeah. like and it was a lot of hard work and it was a lot of, you know, but it was something that he truly enjoyed. But today. 
that is a rarity that people find something and they stick with it all the way through to the end, you know? Yeah. And I'm really warming up to this idea that like your job that creates your income in your life doesn't have to be in direct conflict with something that you want to do as a passion, you know, like that these things can vibe off of one another, you know, my mom, on the other hand, has had jobs doing lots of different things and started a completely new career when she was like in her late forties, you know, and is really good at it. And, and I remember when she started this job so late in life, my first thought at the time shows my naivete to be like, are you too, aren't you too old to like learn how to do computer programming and something (laughs) like, it just seemed so insane to me. Like she was going to make this shift. Um, but now she's been doing it long enough that she has established a real rapport and she's great at it and she's making excellent money and she loves her job, you know, and that, there, I guess what I'm saying is there is no right or wrong way to do that, that your ability to earn based off of what you're doing has everything to do with uh, you following that abundance mindset and knowing that when you drop into the flow, that there's only good things to come out of that. Um, but, you know, we've also talked a lot about this sense of like accomplishment and failure, which feels a lot like scarcity and abundance to me, too, like mm-hmm. that. And we're learning this in the program that you're talking about, that failure is just feedback, yep. that when you try something and it doesn't work, that that doesn't mean that um, you failed at it. And one thing that I've really been aware of with our podcast and with the direction that Badass Ladies Club is taking us is that I've been working on this for decades in one way or the other. Um, I wrote a book proposal what, three years ago now um, for a book that I never really wrote. You know, um, it was really awesome to write that book proposal. I got so much out of doing it. Um, I even went and tried to sell it, you know, like mm-hmm. at a book conference, you know, and I got a lot of interest in people that wanted to be a part of it. It, it just didn't feel right. You know, like when I finally got to that place where I was like, oh, I could actually like write this book and do it with these people that just something about it just did not feel right in me. And so I kind of put it down and let it breathe as it were. Um, I still definitely want to write a book. I don't know if it's that book. I don't know if it'll be another book um, that I could step back from that situation and be like, okay, so I spent countless hours writing that book proposal. I spent a lot of money on a coaching program with an author to facilitate that process with me. Um, I spent a lot of money going to this book conference and, you know, a lot of agony trying to pitch it and spin it and get it out there. And it didn't result in any money or a book. So from the outside looking in, total failure, right? But what did you learn from that? Oh my God, like everything and so much about what I'm capable of, you know, like just the experience of going through all of that. It wasn't failure. It was feedback, you know, like that the story that I was telling was a really important and relevant story, but it wasn't the right format time, space, maybe medium for me, even where as this whole process has happened, couldn't be more night and day from the book proposal. It still was. This has been, I don't want to say easy and I don't want to say effortless, but we've just allowed this business to be what it's going to be. And it has opened up a vision for us where we're like, whoa, I wouldn't have thought it would go there, but about that, okay. but yeah. here we are. Yeah. And 
we can't accomplish anything without that abundant mindset. Right. So that when you hit the scarcity mindset, I could just have easily been traumatized by the fact that I didn't result in a book. Right. You know, and been like, okay, no more. I'm not going to try anything new now. I'm not going to be creative. I'm just going to put my head down and do my nine to five because that's not for me. And that's a scarcity mindset, you know, like, and I think the other thing that's so prevalent today is that you don't just do things and it not be broadcast at a certain point, you know, like lots of people knew I was writing that book proposal. I sent it to lots of people, you know, like lots of people read it and were excited about it or not excited about it or gave me feedback about it. So then when it doesn't turn into a book, that that has a lot of shame attached to it. Like I tried it and it didn't work. And what does that mean for what that looks like? Right. What are, what is everybody, everybody thinking? Think, you know, because obviously everything's all about me. Crazy People are Laurie, thinking about me all the time, you know, like crazy right? pr- proposal. It was kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> but that that's not uh, a, that's not why you do things. And B, like I said, it's, it was such a cool learning experience and it's making me really warm up to this idea that it's okay to try lots of things and throw it all at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Like how else are you going to know? You know, what's so funny. Um, my dad's going to kill me for saying this. He's like, (laughs) please don't ever talk about me on whatever you do. He, um, my dad is extremely supportive and just obviously wants me to be happy in whatever I do. (laughs) But, um, during, this most recent snowvid situation oh that gosh. we just had here in Texas. Snowmageddon. Um, and I had to be with my parents for days longer than I've ever been with my parents since I moved out of their you house. You were literally trapped in the house. I with was them. literally trapped in the house um, with my parents um, because my power went out. Um, I was working a lot on badass ladies club because I couldn't do hair. What Otherwise else were we going to do work? Right. Otherwise I'd be at the salon. So we had nothing else to do. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to work on badass ladies club. And I treated it during those days off from the salon, like a nine to four. I'll say <laughs> I didn't work nine to five. short day. And I was drinking bloody Mary's while I was doing it. But, um, I think that my dad saw like the seriousness mm-hmm. that I was, approaching it with. And my dad finally says to me, he's like, I'm not even sure I understand what this is. What is badass ladies Mm -hmm. club? And I was like, well, it's forming into a lot of things that we didn't expect dad. And there's going to be umbrellas, but right now it's a podcast and this is what we do. And this is what we talk about because my dad's not a podcast guy. So, you know, I mean, and I don't take offense to that, that, you know, people I love don't listen or whatever. Um, But my dad was so like, oh, okay. Well, I'd really like to help you. And I'd like to, and talked about like making a donation and, you know, like, which was so sweet to be like, I don't really understand what you're doing, but I want to help this dream of yours. Is that like when you, what I guess I'm trying to say is that when you radiate something that you're really passionate about and that you love that, and you have your heart open to that prospect, um, People dig that shit. Yes. It radiates. Yes. And, you know, I mean, whether it's $25, $250, $2,500, like as far as donations go, um, is that when you just have that open, abundant, heart-centered mindset, people are like, whatever this is, I like it and it needs to be out there. And so I'm going to help you. Um, 
otherwise, if I just kept it to myself and I didn't put it out there and Badass Ladies Club was like this figment of my imagination, like, you know, it it wouldn't be what it is today. And I love people, you know, coming into the DMs and being like, I know we haven't talked in years, but like, I'm totally digging whatever you're doing because I think yeah. people are still confused as to what this is. That's okay. But maybe we are too. But, um, <laughs> figuring it out as we go. Because like, we're just yeah. figuring it out as we go. But whatever it's doing, it's working. Yes. And people feel that. And um, what I love about Badass Ladies Club is that there's room for everybody. Absolutely. And I want to help you. I want to teach you. I want to support you in whatever abundant situation you need help with. I think it's so interesting that um, you said that about your dad only because I feel like my dad's got a similar take on it. We're like, he doesn't really know. Like, I, I don't know if he's listened to any of the podcasts or not. I, I would doubt it. Maybe. My dad listened to the first episode. Okay. Like maybe if he listened to one, it may have been like one, um, yeah. but that maybe if he doesn't really, and well, Aubrey is exactly like this too. Does not get it. Okay. Like it's not for him, but he loves that it's for me that you love it. Yeah. And, and can see that it's making me really happy and that I'm really excited about it and that I'm, uh, really committed to following through on it. And so that is all that matters to my dad or to Aubrey or to, you know, so many people who like, there are lots of things I don't get, but I love it that it's makes them so that it lights someone else up. Uh, AMA motocross or supercross for Aubrey. Like right. I don't, I don't watch motorcycle racing. Um, <laughs> but I love that he watches it and gets so excited about it. You know, like that you, if you really love people, then you want for them to have what lights them up. Mm -hmm. And this clearly lights us up, you know, and has been. So yeah, I totally think that that's an abundant mindset. I also think there's this really cool thing about abundance that like, it kind of tests you where sometimes you don't, you don't know where the staircase is going. You're just taking the next logical step. And that seems to be at times, uh, kind of like a leap of faith. Like you don't know if the next step is even going to be there for you to step on. You just keep pushing forward. Um, and that it really tests your trust in the universe, oh, you know, like, yes. um, because I know so much of this has been a leap of faith, like where even coming down to where are we going to find the time to plan the episode that we're doing right now? You know, like that it just becomes a, I don't know, I guess we'll just do it, you know, and it, uh, and it happens. And that's a really cool flow to drop into is knowing that, um, that everything just comes together and works out like it's supposed to better than we could have planned it ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what came up so much when I was thinking about scarcity and abundance too was, and this was maybe something I picked up at serious business a very long time ago, um, that everything you do comes from love or from fear that you only have two like inherent directions. So every action you take, every word you speak, that you're either speaking it from a place of love or you're afraid and you're speaking it from a place of fear. So when I have really low um, vibration things that I say or like self-defeating, you know, conversations that that usually is coming out of me because I'm scared. Or if I'm uh, if I have something snarky to say about somebody else. I say that because I'm afraid, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, and that, and that you only have two options 
so are you going to come at things from love or are you going to come at things from fear? And that coming thing from things at a place of love, even when it's really hard, is always just feels better, you know, like it vibrates different and it creates so many different results. And so I think about, you know, scarcity is that fear based foundation, you know, like that you're going to go flat broke or that there's not going to be enough. Um, I think about fuel a lot. I don't know why I'm on, maybe I'm on this, like, it, like that we're going to run out of fossil fuels okay, and we're going to run out of gasoline, you know? And so then how are the airplanes going to work and how are the cars going to go? And how are we going to run the, you know, like the tractors on the farms to, you know, farm the food and like, I watch too many Netflix, maybe, you know, but that <laughs> too that, many documentaries. <laughs> but in actuality, there is an abundance of energy available in Just so many other mediums. It. And we got to figure out how to use it, how to create jobs around it, how to create economies around it, you know, like and that no matter what, it is a fact that's going to happen, you know, and that that could be a really scarcity, panic driven uh, space. But it could also be a really abundant, cool pivot and shift for that whole situation, you know, to find ways where the world is infinitely abundant and creates what we need to keep moving things forward, you know, and it doesn't happen without some really serious cooperation a lot of teamwork, you know, a lot of people acting out of a love space instead of out of a fear space. Um, not that it's not going to be really difficult and a huge evolution, you know, but that it's bound to happen at some point. And that that is that there's millions of examples of love versus fear, scarcity versus abundance, light versus dark. Like it's all over your life and your world. Yeah. You, you just got to like pay attention to it and right. when it's happening and when it's shifting and when your vibration and frequency is pulling you mm -hmm. one direction or the other. When you have the opportunity, you get to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Which way am I going to follow in this whole situation? Um, and that even though sometimes the fear seems more comfortable because it's familiar, that it's always the path that leads you down that scarcity mindset. Mm. Man, big things around here, y'all. Light bulbs. <laughs> what else about scarcity and abundance have we not struck on? I'm trying to think. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm getting to this place in my life where I want everything to just come from my heart. Mm -hmm. And um, I want people to learn that, that there's, there's room for you at the table. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, there's enough to go around. And if you're worried about not trying something or that someone does something better than you, no one is going to do it like you do it. Yes. You know, I say this with hair cutting and hair coloring all the time when like, if I'm really busy and I can't get a client in, for example, you know, you were mm -hmm. saying in the beginning, you know, I always tell my clients, well, if you can't get in with me, I, we have your formulas in the computer. You can go to one of my coworkers who I most likely trained. trained right. Um, and they have access to the formula. Like they can do the exact same thing if that's what you're worried about. And everyone's like, oh, but I want it to be exactly like you do it. Or we experience this a lot. Like when some really great hairdressers of ours have left and mm -hmm. moved on to other places. And they're like, well, you know, I'm not going to drive all the way out to 
wherever, Dallas, Fort Worth, whatever, you know, and they're like, so I want to see someone else, but I want them to do it exactly, exactly. how yeah. Susie did it mm. or whatever. And we have to explain to people like, that's impossible, right. that you're going to have to surrender to the fact that this other hairstylist no matter the experience level, I'm not even talking experience level. I'm just talking like as human beings, that person has different hands. Mm -hmm. They have different <laughs> techniques. They have different strengths. They have different weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Nobody is going to do it like you do it. And that doesn't mean that it's better or worse. Mm -hmm. It means that it just, it is. Right. And that there's beauty in that and that, that's okay. Sometimes when you're talking about hair, it is better just because it's different. Right. Like you don't even know if you want something different till you get it. And then all of a sudden you realize it's the best thing ever. I.e. when I colored my hair black. Yeah. I did not know that it was going to be so amazing until oh I did God, it. You it know? was so amazing. And then when Marty I did it, I was Wallace like, oh my God. Black man. hair was like the bomb. And I've been thinking hardcore about getting a black wig. <laughs> like uh not not a black pixie like I had, but maybe like um like an Uma pulp fiction style black bob yeah. with bangs, you know, like that that might be kind of fun to rock. That'd be fun. Anyway, <laughs> off topic. Um yes, I feel like the abundance mindset is um it's the way and that it's not um I don't know why sometimes it felt kind of Pollyanna, pie in the sky, like unrealistic expectations. Things couldn't really be that good. But I think that that was probably part of like my 90s kid, dark, uh, depressed, the world's a hard place to exist mm -hmm. uh, mindset, sort of like the movies and the, you know, like things that we were talking about that it's uh, it's sort of a new day where I have like this renewed faith that uh, things are conspiring in my favor as hard as that may be for things like uh, that sometimes when things are taken away from you that you feel really bitter about mm -hmm. that stuff um, when in actuality it's just opening up space for something amazing to fill that void. Um, and I know I felt that way. I felt that way wrecking cars, <laughs> you know, like I felt that way when my house burned down. I felt that way when COVID shut us down for 10 weeks, you know, like that. But in all of those examples, it created a vacuum and that space was filled with really amazing things that I couldn't have gotten to if I didn't uh, allow things that weren't meant for me to move on, you know? I love that lady. It's good stuff. All right, guys. Well, uh, we are excited that you spent some time with us today talking uh, scarcity versus abundance. May all of you have fantastic abundant mindsets uh, today, bringing you everything you want. If this episode worked for you, then get out there and share it with somebody that you love. Like, subscribe, write us a review. Have a badass day and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.